What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. This is episode 58, and on this episode, uh, we kind of got a lot on board, man. We got a lot on board. So last week, I uh, was able to make it to two preseason games, scrimmages, whatever you want to call it, uh, on opposite sides of Colorado, actually. So, you know what? I want to talk about those real quick before we get into the meat of this episode. And so let's go ahead and hop right into it. All right. So uh, last Thursday, August 19th, I made a drive up to Fort Collins, Rocky Mountain High School, actually, and got to see a scrimmage between Pooter High School and Greeley Central. Pooter, they are a 5A school, Greeley being the 4A school. And so, uh, shout out to my boy, Genoa Trujillo. He asked me to uh, come out to this game kind of last second. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm not doing anything. And so, um, kind of a long drive, not even going to lie. But I was glad I made it up there. Uh, It's a beautiful stadium all that great stuff um kind of got there around six so got to see a jv freshman team play for a little bit uh some of these kiddos i believe are going to be um i'm sure they'll probably get some varsity snaps here and there at least more so for Greeley central than pooter um nothing too crazy to really talk about there there was a pick six in the freshman game i want to say and so uh that corner kind of has my eye he, he did pretty well actually throughout the whole uh throughout the whole game there on that freshman level and so uh you know there's there's someone to look out for for Greeley central but you know what let's go ahead and get into that varsity scrimmage pooter high school versus Greeley central now it's important to keep in mind here pooter uh they are a 518 Greeley central they are more of a uh, 4A team, low-key, I personally think they should probably drop down to 3A. Well, I've always thought that, and that's nothing against their players or whatnot. I think that's just a better fit, like, you know, city and team-wise in general. And so, you know, those are my two cents. And so, uh, you could definitely tell it really wasn't that even of a matchup pooter obviously you know they're a little bit bigger they have more players they have more skilled players um i'm sure their facilities are a little bit better and whatnot and so uh, there really shouldn't have been any reason for pooter to not kind of you know take over uh this game and whatnot and and that's what they did and they kind of started out with doing some you know special special team stuff here and there like kickoff uh punt return kick return all that great stuff you know just to get ready for the season which i kind of liked and then they did more situational stuff like goal line red zone deals um when they went to red zone and whatnot pooter definitely i don't know if Greeley central just wasn't like ready or whatever but you know they they scored the first couple of times and then this Greeley central uh defense definitely woke up in the latter part here for sure so you know there you go um but when Greeley central got the ball there are a couple miscues here and there uh the things i really liked though was when they went four wide out you know they weren't under center or or trying to run um you know an obvious like run formation you know with uh the with the wing t and whatnot and so uh, i think they definitely found more success when they were spread out kind of having more of a spread offense type of look and i think uh the quarterback Genoa trujillo looked uh, much more comfortable when they were more spread out and whatnot and you know it kind of helped out their offensive line as well who for the most part was kind of struggling uh in this re- in these red zone situations now 
Shout out to Leon Ramirez. I believe he was wearing number nine. You know, he had some really good blocks, some good pancakes here and there. He really impressed me. I think he's obviously one of the best guards in the entire state and whatnot. Uh, he looked really good out there, but, you know, you can't build a fantastic offensive line with one player and so there are definitely some miscues when they were trying to you know run the ball a little bit more or when they're in that kind of wing t type of look there uh i mean look what what are you gonna expect right pooter definitely knows you're gonna run the ball when you're in that look now there were a couple plays where they opted to a pass like some sort of play action pass rpo type of deal there um and i like those you know some of them had potential but Unfortunately, the offense just wasn't quite together. Uh, there are some drops here and there. There are some balls that could have been thrown a little bit better here and there as well. And so that's only red zone situation. But, but... Greeley Central did get a really nice touchdown. Um, I, I don't know if it was... I, I really don't think it was a design play. I think it was more of Genoa kind of improvising. He moved around, uh, created some time, and then he found his receiver in the back of the end zone. Kind of got there a little slow. His receiver, that is. He kind of went the long way around, but it was a good score regardless. Caught them off guard. Now... I'm just going to be real with the kind of team that Greeley Central is. Uh, they are going to be playing a lot of teams that have a little bit more talent than them. And I think those kind of plays, those improvising type of plays uh, are going to be key. You know, if you're Janelle or if you're his skill players, receivers, whatever, you got to be on the same page. And, you know, when a play breaks down, you got to be ready to, to play make and, you know, create and improvise. And I think that might be their best chance at scoring low key if they continue to play up to some of these teams around them in their league and whatnot. And so if it was up to me, I would say if you do have a chance to improvise a little bit, play make outside of the play, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, just keep it in check. Know when the play is over. If it's taking more than like, you know, obviously like eight to 10 seconds, I think, you know, throw it away. Um, there are definitely a couple of times, not just in this red zone uh, situation uh, that they were running at the beginning, but, you know, throughout the scrimmage where I felt like, hey, this is a pass play that it's just not going to work. You got to throw the ball away or not take the sack, you know, minimal losses. And, you know, even if you do take the sack, that's okay. You know, um, live to fight another day type of deal. And so, uh, regardless though, there are definitely some things to like here. Um, but you know, getting to kind of the meat of the scrimmage though, I was pretty impressed by how, uh, this Greeley central defense eventually came together. You know, when they had to, when Pooter, that, that is, had to start driving, like, whole lengths of the field, you know, they, they kind of struggled at times, you know. There are times where, you know, they were central, that is, swarmed to the ball very well, made it difficult to run the ball. Um, specifically, there are a couple of times where Pooter tried to roll out, uh, I, I can't tell if it was left or right, but they tried to roll out, and then test their corners deep usually it was one-on-one -on -one situations i believe they were just trying to get it to their receivers and you know let them make a play pretty much i want to say for almost the entire scrimmage you know whoever was playing corner for Greeley central they i the one that stood out most to me he was this player he was wearing gray and he was on the far side of the field away from the Greeley central sideline you know time after time again they kept testing him and he wouldn't give them anything now there was one time where you know they called a pass interference call 
I don't know about all of that. It could it kind of seemed like a toss-up call to me, but you know, look, at the end of the day, if you are a corner and you know you're putting up your hands like that, you kind of just got to turn around and pick it at that point. So there you go. But, you know, not too bad from the Greeley Central defense. They still have a long ways to go, I would say. Um, I would like to see the defensive line get a little bit more pressure here or there. I'm curious to see if Leon Ramirez will get in on a defense. Maybe they didn't put him in because... You know, because it's a scrimmage and it's preseason, so it doesn't exactly matter right now. But I'd like to see him potentially get plugged in there a couple more times here. I think he could definitely be a force in, on that interior, or at least a little bit more of a force. So, looking forward towards that. Altogether, though, Greeley Central, you know, uh, they're definitely playing up. Um, and, and it showed because Pooter made some really good plays here and there. Uh, and it is what it is at that point. You know, when you're playing a team like that, that is that much better. You kind of just got to accept that as it is uh, in that moment and then move on, you know. And so altogether, I don't think it was a bad scrimmage from either team. I think really Central came away with some things that they know they need to work on. Pooter. I don't know if they know how much they actually need to work on uh, at this point because they're never going to play a team like really Central again, or at least I don't think so. So there you go. Regardless, though, you know, Greeley Central, I wouldn't exactly say is a contender right now, but they are in that rebuilding phase. Uh, there's things to like here, for sure. There's things to like, even the little things, you know. Oh, and by the way, shout out to Genoa. He definitely got on some of the freshmen and underclassmen that weren't messing around too much. You know, if you look over to the Pooter sideline, you really didn't see a lot of that at any point during the scrimmage and so you know it's the little things that matter i like that Genoa is getting after them and kind of trying to keep them in line and you know i feel like he would have done it more if he didn't have to focus on this game and so you know it takes everyone to make a winning program not just the top five or top 10 or top 11 if your freshman ain't on the same page then that's a problem um so there you go. And that's probably why, you know, a lot of them or the JV kids really didn't get in as much as they probably could have. So it is what it is. Appreciate the invite out to that game. I do not regret driving first off the three hours to get there because Denver traffic and then driving back down those two hours back to the Springs. I felt like it was worth it and definitely looking forward to catch a Greeley Central game here soon. Or at least here this season. We'll just have to see how everything goes. But the other scrimmage I went to was the next day. This scrimmage was a little bit closer, a lot closer to home, just over in Manitou Springs. And so, shout out to my guy Gideon. He actually invited me out to go watch this scrimmage. Also gave me some really good information that I hope to talk about uh, right here on this segment about Manitou Springs. But... Let me kind of set the stage here. So, obviously, if you haven't listened to our 2A slash 1A episodes, go ahead and check those out. We previewed um, the 2A and 1A level of Colorado football for this season and talked about last season a little bit there as well. But last season, you know, Buena Vista and Manitou Springs, I believe, met up twice. Once during the regular season where it just wasn't close like Buena Vista blew out Manitou Springs partially because Manitou uh they just didn't have a lot of the football players that also played basketball they were kind of in a weird spot there and so they didn't really have their full team and whatnot and that was kind of a problem but they met up again in the playoffs Manitou Springs beat them 
in a pretty close matchup. 20-17, then obviously Manitou Springs went ahead and won the state title uh, on that level during the spring season. And so, you know, fast forward a summer, a couple of seniors graduated on both sides, you know, you got another scrimmage. And so I kind of went into the scrimmage thinking, okay, I picked Buena Vista to be one of our contenders to win state on the 1A level. If any team's going to challenge Lyman, I definitely thought going in that it had to be Buena Vista, but also I definitely believed, you know, Manitou Springs is not the same team as last year. They're losing a lot of players, not only to graduation, but some just not playing. You know, I was in Manitou Springs and overheard a couple conversations of some athletes not playing and whatnot. And, you know, every 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 player matters. You know, I'm just going to say that. Everybody, every player matters. So having as much of a championship team returning is always important. But, you know, they definitely lost a couple players to graduation. Uh, Joa Armour, probably being one of the biggest ones along with their starting running back Isaiah Thomas you can't I mean I mean you can't not think about that one either and so both of those guys leaving are definitely big blows to this Manitou Springs offense and then you kind of throw this in I did not know this but Caleb Allen um, unfortunately was playing with a torn ACL almost all of last season and so after their championship win uh, on that following Monday, he went ahead and got surgery. Ah, that's That just sucks, you know, because you know if this was the fall season, that probably wouldn't have happened and he would have had enough time to come back to play for his senior year. But it appears that Caleb Allen is probably done um, already before the season begins and he will be out for the rest of this season. Um which is unfortunate, and obviously we wish him all the best of luck moving forward. In that episode, I did talk about how important Caleb Allen was to this team, and for the large part of it, how, you know, instrumental he would be in Manitou Springs' success this season. And so losing him, you know, their quarterback, that's always a tough blow for any team. Uh, they do have another guy who I'll talk about here in a minute, but, you know, losing all those players and then having a new coaching staff, uh, you know, the coaching staff having to turn around and kind of rebuild some things and rearrange some things here and there. It just didn't really spell. Honestly, it just it would have been a tall order for Manitou Springs to repeat, make the playoffs and make another championship run. And so going in, I kind of just felt like Buena Vista, you know, they're not re they didn't really lose anybody, to be honest with you. Check out that Hayden Camp interview, by the way. Uh, Hayden Camp kind of talked about it. He's their quarterback over there. They didn't really lose anybody. You know, a lot of their players, after they took their breaks and whatnot, like he said, they came back to voluntary workouts. Pretty much everyone came back to voluntary workouts and worked out every day. And so Buena Vista was a team that was already pretty much um, as put together as you could possibly be. Throw in the momentum from the spring and they were already a pretty dangerous team. And so going in, kind of felt like if Buena Vista struggled at all versus this Manitou Springs team, and this isn't any disrespect, then I would probably have to rethink how much of a contender they actually are because they shouldn't have struggled at all, really, really, in this game. You know, Manitou Springs is just in a different position than um, Buena Vista. And, you know, that was kind of true. 
Buena Vista, uh, they kind of came out and they played really well, specifically the run game. You know, shout out to Seth Moss. He plays guard and linebacker. Um, he was eating. He was uh, out there on some really good blocks, making some good tackles, I want to say. At least I thought I saw him out there. And then, you know, the running back, he was doing a good job. He's as explosive as advertised, maybe even a little bit more juice compared to last year. And so... He's for sure going to be a problem. You know, just the line and that running back in general are going to be a lot. And then, you know, you throw in Hayden Camp. Now, he did miss a couple passes. You can't, you know, disregard that. Definitely did miss a couple passes. But for the most part, he looked good. You know, he has a strong arm, was moving in the pocket well. There were a couple passes missed, like I said. But I think you kind of just uh, throw off that rust here and there. And then you'll get that going once the season comes around. And so, altogether really felt good about this Buena Vista team I think honestly honestly I was pretty impressed um and maybe I'm just like living in the moment right now with this recency bias and all that but I really do think that if Lyman doesn't win it all it's definitely Buena Vista Loki I would probably even I, I would think about changing my pick of winning it all to Buena Vista at this point. Because Manitou Springs isn't like a horrible team either. You know, they're definitely a quality team and we're going to challenge them in some ways. And so, I like what I saw. I like what I saw from Buena Vista and I'm excited to follow them this season. They will be very good. We'll just say that. And so, shout out to all them boys. Uh, <laughs> messaged a lot of them. Or they messaged me after the scrimmage because they saw our story and whatnot. And so, shout out to them. They all show us a lot of love. So, yeah. But let me talk about Manitou Springs here. Now, definitely a couple players here. That impressed. I saw some flashes of. Uh, kind of talked about on that 1A preview. Or, sorry, 2A preview just a little bit there. But, you know, they are returning most of their basketball players, including uh, Ethan Boren, Tyler Maloney, Gantz, San Fournier. Uh, and that's just to name a few. Specifically, Tate and Maloney both impressed me at times, you know. Now, this uh, Buena Vista defense was swarming, but there were a couple times where they got out into the open and made some plays. I liked it there. And I kind of want to talk about their quarterback, Nate Gensel. I want to say that's how you say it. Uh, but Nate, he is 6'3". He is a sophomore, so underclassman, and he has a pretty strong arm. And you know what? This is kind of tying into his success or uh, lack thereof or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the new head coach there, he is definitely moving kind of away from that single back kind of look. And, you know, going more towards a you know, more spread out team, passing the ball a little bit more here. And you know what? Watching their offense, I was pretty impressed. You know, there are some good plays that they got drawn up that I kind of feel like, you know, if they were a little bit more in sync, they would have connected a little bit more there. But, you know, there's really not much you could ask out of this uh, sophomore quarterback. You know, he is kind of just coming in and, you know, he does have a new head coach and whatnot. And so there's a lot of turnover here, a, lot, a little bit of chaos here, a little bit too much of it. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's just kind of a natural thing that happens in the football world. You have coaches that retire. You have players that get hurt. And then you move on from there and work with what you got, right? 
But either way, um, I liked what I saw from this quarterback. I felt like he was making good reads. And, you know, there really wasn't many times where I watched him, like, throw a ball and was like, nope, that's not the play. Or, nope, that's not the move right there. Uh, and trust me, there are there are a lot of quarterbacks that I've watched that I'm like, yeah, no, nah, that's definitely not it. You know, that's definitely not it. Um, but he made a lot of good decisions. Uh, he just he just didn't complete a lot of them as well, I would say. But I think that's going to kind of come along, kind of give him this year to develop and to work on that, work on that timing. I think timing was kind of a bigger deal more than anything, more than accuracy, I would say. If he threw the ball a little bit earlier, then, you know, they would have connected a bit more. And so that's kind of just what I took away from it. But regardless... I liked what I saw from the young Manitou Springs quarterback. I think he could really be something uh, someday, probably not super soon, but there was a lot of things that I really liked. You know, he was making the right reads, like I said, and I think eventually that's going to have to click, you know, and so we'll just have to keep a lookout for that. But once again, you know, shout out to Manitou Springs, shout out to Buena Vista, another good scrimmage, and looking forward to the start of the season. Coming up next, though, we're going to continue to preview this 2021 Colorado football season. And you know what? We're going to talk about the newly formed, well, I wouldn't say newly formed, but recently formed I-25 Football League. It is a league created of a bunch of 4A teams, a lot of them Colorado Springs teams, and so... Wanted to cover that because we will be dropping our 4A preview this Friday. And unfortunately, none of these teams are contenders, but I want to talk about it. Give them a spotlight. Coming up next. Alright, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast we're here and i'm gonna talk about the i-25 football league now this league was more or less created to help out these programs that have struggled a lot in the last couple years on the 4a level uh for the most part and you know these are also teams that have struggled with numbers as well looking at a couple articles here that was kind of the main I guess, reason behind making this team and making sure that, you know, these teams, these schools know that they are in a competitive league with other teams that are kind of like their same skill level or dominance or whatever, you know. And so this would hopefully kind of cultivate Colorado football and get these uh, programs back on track. And so kind of how this works is that, you know, these teams, they'll play non-league games and then they'll play their league games. Whoever wins the league, and I'm just going to go ahead and assume it's the team with the highest record and probably the best league record, will be the only team that can make the playoffs out of all these teams. And so you can't have multiple teams from this league make the playoffs. That is the one exception uh, pretty much in all of Colorado football, actually. I don't think there's any other leagues that is built like this. And so I wanted to cover it because I am down here in the Springs. I will be able to see a lot of these teams play and follow them. And I do have connections and sources from a lot of these teams here in the Springs in one way or another. And so 
here's how it's gonna kind of work here I'm gonna start I'm gonna start by talking about each team talking about how they did last year uh, key players coming in uh, key players that left and then uh, I, after I do every single team I'm gonna go ahead and start predicting records and talk about some of the key games more so league games uh, for these teams so yeah but you know what? Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. And let me start by talking about Cheyenne Mountain High School. Now, this isn't exactly a team I would expect to be in the I-25 league, to be completely honest with you. But I do remember seeing articles a couple years ago of them, you know, having to forfeit games and drop games because they didn't have enough people. Which is really interesting to me. I, I don't know. But regardless, though... I would say this team is probably the most talented team in the I-25 League, not only going into this year, but just in general, if you look at the histories of each of these teams. And I think this year will be no different. And so let me talk about last year here real quick. They went 5-2, and two, you know, during uh, the COVID season. They got blown out by Pueblo West 42-0, and then they kind of lost a close one to Coronado 24-13. That low-key might be a little bit more of an uncharacteristic type of game. Regardless, though, they still lost to them. Those were the only two games they lost that season. But here are the five games they won last season. So they beat Liberty 32-6. Pretty easy. Uh, beat Palmer. Sorry. They beat Palmer twice. I don't know if the second matchup really meant anything. It might have just more of been, uh, you know, hey, we're a substitute game type of deal. But... I don't know. Either way, played Palmer twice, beat him the first time, 44 to zero. Second time, beat him 37 to 19. Uh, lost a pretty close game to, or sorry, they won a pretty close game versus Whitefield, 13 to 12 in overtime. And then they also beat Nile Watt near the end of the season, 27 to 20. And then. You know, what happened is that, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. Obviously, the playoffs was a lot smaller this year, and they're taking a lot less teams this year. But they just missed out despite going 5-2, and two, really 4-2, and two, I want to say, because I think that Palmer game might have been right when the playoffs was starting. I could be mistaken, though. Either way, you know, they missed it. And so, a couple of the players they are missing here. Uh, some guys that I actually covered and did breakdowns on. And so, if you want, you could go ahead and try to find that. And so the first person I broke down was Damon Hill Jr., their running back. He had 778 rushing yards, six touchdowns, obviously was their lead uh, guy um, running the ball. And also on offense, I think a lot of the offense basically just ran through him. They're losing uh, Brad Helton. He had 297 receiving yards, four touchdowns, was the lead receiver. Also led the team in picks, interceptions as well. They're losing their second guy, I want to say, receiver Jack Hansen. Had 175 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Um, they're, le they're losing uh, tackle, defensive end linebacker. Uh, defensive tackle, I guess, you want if you want to throw that in there. Jake Bowley, I actually covered him, did his breakdown, so you could check that out. Um, led the team in tackles, was the sack leader. I believe he had like seven or so, so... You know, that's kind of a huge loss on defense. And then they're losing linebacker, uh, defensive line, offensive lineman, Braden, I want to say Bethart. He was their starting guard, 6'3", 230 pounds. You're losing some size on that line. And so altogether, you know, you're definitely graduating a lot of players here that were key to last year's success. But here's the deal. 
I think they're pretty deep here. They got some players that are really interesting. Um, some guys that I look at and I'm like, okay, you know, let's let's see where this goes. And so let me start with the quarterback room. They had three guys play quarterbacks last year. It was pretty much almost evenly split if you look at their attempts. Uh, so you know, each each of these quarterbacks got about a third of the playing time this entire season at quarterback. And so it'll be interesting to see who starts because all of them are coming back. And so those quarterbacks are uh, Jacob Quadhammer. Um, He's a junior, so class of 23. Class of 22 senior, Patrick O'Donnell. And then another junior, class, so class of 23, Zach Johnson. And so, I wonder who is going to be quarterback. Like I said, it was pretty evenly split. If you look at their film too, um, they have about the same amount of film as each other. And so, it's pretty interesting here. And so... Here's kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, Patrick O'Donnell. I hate to cut him out of the quarterback battle, but I think I'm going to just because he seems more of a wildcat type of quarterback. You could probably benefit from him being at running back or receiver or anywhere else where he could get the ball still. Uh, but I just don't think quarterback is where he should be, especially when you have two other guys who could do kind of a similar job, if not a little bit of a better job. And then I think it really just comes down to these junior quarterbacks, Jake Quadhamer and Zach Johnson. Jake is the bigger dude. He's like 6'3", 200 pound plus. Um, you know, he I think he plays defensive end, tight end as well. He could be a great big bodied receiver as well, you know. But I think he also has the strongest arm out of the two. So... There you go. There's a lot of potential there. We'll just have to see how that works out. Then you have Zach Johnson. You know, I would say he's probably the most complete quarterback going off of last season's film. I would probably bet on him being the starter. He could run the ball. He could throw the ball a little bit well. And then that way, the other guys, you could kind of put him at skill positions. Because um, they are losing some skill positions here. And then live with that. And so, either way, regardless, I don't think Cheyenne Mountain has the same success without committing to one quarterback this year barring injury of course but they have to commit to one whether it's jake or zach or zach you know i think you really can't go wrong there it's just up to the coaching staff but they have to commit to one so that they could build that chemistry and whatnot moving forward but you got to pick one you can't I mean, you can't have a little care, so I don't think that's going to work again this year. Arguably, that might be their weakest point, and if they do have a quarterback carousel or whatever, I think there's definitely, you know, there's definitely an argument that uh, Cheyenne Mountain is a little bit more vulnerable come league play. So we'll just have to see. But you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about their skill players. So they are losing some skill players, including their leading rusher, leading receivers, and so... I'm honestly not worried about it because they have some guys, like I said, in the back here that could step up and maybe even be a little bit better. Starting with these uh, two juniors here, uh, running back Grant Kunkel, I want to say, and then receiver slash corner Dom Seedon. So let me talk about that running back first. Grant, he's a 5'8", 160-pound uh, running back. Split carries with Damon Hill last year. He was a good change of pace back, but I think this year he's looking to kind of be that main guy. 
you know, and he has good vision, and it has shown that he can be a tough back to keep up with, has solid speed and agility on him, and I kind of feel like he's the type of running back that could pick apart opposing defenses, you know, be strategic with it, has some good vision there, and so I don't think you're losing a lot uh, having this guy back in that backfield. But also you have Dom Seaton. He is a 5'8", 165-pound wide receiver and cornerback. But he's an absolute baller with elite speed, agility, acceleration. Ooh, boy, he's a problem. You know, I don't see how a lot of these teams in the I-25 League will even be able to guard this dude because he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands. Honestly, he's a home run, he's a home run hitter at any moment. You know, and so whenever he gets the ball, he's a threat to house it. So you got to swarm to this dude. And if you don't, then, uh-oh, I think you got a problem. And I honestly think he could be better than the receiver they lost um, in Brad Houghton and even Jack Hansen combined. I think Dom Seaton, uh, I would be surprised if he didn't go for over a 1,000 receiving yards. And, you know, I would say 10 receiving touchdowns. Obviously, that depends how the quarterback play is, but I think he is that dude. He's somebody who could be the best player in this entire league and probably be an all-state guy when all is said and done. Also, he's dangerous as a defensive player, low-key a lockdown corner, so you got to look out for that. So between those two, you know, that's a lot of talent on the come-up. And then the senior for this year, kind of, I would say, the leader of this team, you could say, is Nico Gagliardi. He's a running back defensive end, about 5'11", 205 pounds. He was an all-state guy last year, all-league um, last year as well. I believe he was the only player to make an all-state team. Uh, he was all-state second team, in fact, and that's not including the honorable mentions. I don't really count them here. But, you know, he's going to be a threat. At 5'11", 205, I think he's more of the... Uh, you know, more of the power back in this group. But, you know what? I think he's going to be another problem this year. I think um, him and Grant are probably going to split some carries here and there. And honestly, you know, Nico Gagliardi, he's someone to look out for. I think he's somebody that's really going to tear up this league. And he's going to be difficult for a lot of teams to put bodies on and tackle. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, ooh, there's definitely a universe where he goes all state again but this time he's first team and then he could potentially win the mvp for this league as well i think he's probably the most talented player uh in this entire league potentially and so i think with this group of skill players you know it's hard to see the shine mountain team you know not go back to the playoffs and win this league title as well. I think they will win this league title. We'll talk about that more in depth after we talk about all of these teams. But this is definitely a team that will be a threat. Uh, on, on top of that, you add on their offensive and defensive line. You know what? I'm just going to list them out and then, you know, you could guess from there. But you have a junior, Lucas Geiger, 6'5", 240. You have a senior in James Birchfield, 6'2", 195. You have Matt Lazard, another senior, 6'1", 250. Connor Larson, um, sophomore, I want to say, actually, 5'11", 230. Isaiah, Win sorry, Isaiah Wilson, 5'11", 281 pounds, uh, class of 23, so junior. I'm going to go with Justin Blair, 5'8", 220. Then you have uh, Darius Hughes, another sophomore, 5'11", 220. Nick uh, Ivani, I want to say, 
Nikki Vani Jr., 6'3", 240 pounds. And then last but not least, you have uh, another junior here, lineman Brandon Stewart, 5'11", 265 pounds. This is the biggest line on paper in this entire league. It's hard to see this line not dominating every single line they come in contact with um, in this league, you know. And so you have those guys, you have all these skill players. You know, this will be a dangerous Cheyenne Mountain team. They are losing a lot of players, but I think this is easily the most talented team. So, yeah. But, you know what? Let me go ahead and move on and talk about arguably the second most talented team, which isn't a bad thing, in Falcon High School. Alright, so, Falcon High School, let me talk about last year. They went 5-3, and three, made the playoffs. This was during the spring season, by the way. And this is kind of how it went. They lost to Thomas Jefferson to start the season, as well as to end their season. And so the first loss, um, they only lost by three, so nothing crazy. You know, the second one, they were down by 21 to start off the game, but kind of tried to come back. It was a little, you know, too much uh, to overcome. And so they ended up losing by 14 when all was said and done but let me talk about their other games here before i move on so they go ahead and take care of business versus aurora central blowing them out 61 to 30 uh had a shutout game versus skyview actually 41 to 0 uh put out another shutout versus sierra 53 to 0 beat gateway 42 to 22 and by the way gateway and our boy eric covington went to state and only lost by one to thomas jefferson at state so you know, take that how you want it. Um, to end their regular season, they lost a pretty exciting and close game to Harrison, 40-32 to in overtime. And so that was kind of a tough deal there. But went on in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, this is a playoff game that Cody and I actually went to uh, and barely beat our boys Isaac Cisneros. Um... 20 to 17 in kind of a close one and then we had that last playoff game versus thomas jefferson and then that's kind of how the season went so all together not a bad season for a first year head coach by the way um and so you really can't be mad at that you could probably argue that you know they're a team that could have went to state potentially win at state if they had to face gateway again but you know, what-ifs are what-ifs for a reason. And so we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the players that they lost. Really didn't lose that many players. I mean, they lost running back uh, Nolan Favreau, uh, 360 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, he was the second leading guy, so that's definitely going to hurt. And then they lost another running back in Landon Jones, 205 rushing yards, six touchdowns. They lost their starting receiver, Nate Moorhead. Um, and then Strider Sartor, he was their lead tackler, and they lost him as well. All of them to graduation, obviously. Other than that, they are returning the majority of the team that was here last spring. And that's a good thing. I've talked about that before on the show, how, you know, having that momentum from the spring is always a good thing. You know, go ahead and look at Buena Vista. They're probably going to turn around and win state this year. Or I wouldn't say they'll win state. They'll probably get pretty close to winning state, if not win it. How about that? And for Falcon, I feel like they have a lot of their main squad back here this season. But the bigger question will be, are they going to be able to return a lot of that success have a lot of that success into this season and whatnot i think that's probably the biggest question here 
a lot of teams have kind of mixed feelings about it. At least that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from teams around Colorado. They kind of have mixed feelings about Falcon here moving forward. And so let me go ahead and talk about their key players or the key players that I feel like are going to make some big time contributions um, this following season. And so you have a lot of seniors on this list, but I'm going to go ahead and start out with probably their most valuable uh, player here running back at Darius McFarland he was one of the top backs in Colorado from last year he's returning with this Falcon team he is a bruising north and south runner and honestly I don't see any different going into this season I think he's somebody who could definitely crack over a thousand rushing yards probably throw in I would say I would personally expect him to have at least 15 rushing touchdowns, if not more, to be honest with you. But at least 15 rushing touchdowns. Um, and yeah, and I think he's somebody who could probably be a D2 guy. I don't know about D1 quite yet. I think this season will be really telling on what kind of player he is moving forward. But either way, he's a star. He's one of the best players on the squad. He's going to power this offense once again, probably be the focal point once again, and I feel good about that, you know. I feel good about him being kind of that lead guy moving forward and whatnot. I think there will be some teams, especially in this I-25 league, that are going to struggle with tackling him and, you know, keeping up with his physicality. But, you know, speaking of physicality, let's talk about one of his linemen. And that would be Jonathan Lozano. Um, he is about 6'2", 280 pounds. Actually went to Falcon Middle School um, a couple years ago as well. I don't know why on Huddle it lists only Falcon Middle Schools and other middle schools for these Falcon players. But anyways, um, Jonathan Lozano, he's their biggest lineman, at least on paper he is. You know, obviously Max Preps is... It's Max Preps, and so it's not great, you know, but I'm just going to go ahead and go off of what I see here and what I see off of Huddle as well. He is probably their most important lineman. He's a great pass blocker, an even better run blocker, and honestly, he should probably have more offers than what he has right now. Um, which I don't think is a lot. And so this season will obviously be really important to him, um, obviously because it's a senior year. But, you know, if you're going to look into the future, you need to have a great senior year uh, to gain some of those offers and some of those looks. And so I kind of expect him to have a great season. He is already a great player, and so it really just comes down to balling out and doing what you got to do. I like having him out there lead blocking for Darius McFarland. I think that could be one. I mean, I wouldn't call it necessarily a duo because he's part of the O-line. But, you know, that could be a pretty dangerous squad to look out for. Having Lozano, you know, kind of anchoring that line and then having Darius McFarland run behind them. Uh, they, could, they could rack up a lot of yards there just like they did in the spring. So there you go. Another guy, I'm just going to throw his name out here real quick. I won't do a whole analysis on him, but David Chumbly, I want to say. Uh, he's a defensive end, 5'11", 230 pounds. More size you're, that you're adding on to this line, playing offense and defensive line. By the way, Lozano does play defensive line as well. I believe he's a defensive tackle slash nose guard. So there you go. And so you got some size there to go head-to-head -head with, you know, a Cheyenne Mountain offensive and defensive line who I mean if you just heard they're stacked or uh, Vista Ridge who they are gonna play this season who, have, who are stacked at line as well and so you know it's never a bad thing to have all of that just wanted to shout him out 
there. Now, let me talk about the quarterbacks here. So, you have two. You have senior Cam Robinette. You know, he's been starting for a couple years now. I think this is probably his third year as a varsity starter. I would say going into his third year as a varsity starter. And then you have the sophomore and Carter Thorpe. Now, here's how I kind of see it. And I'm the media, so I could say what I'm about to say here. There is definitely an argument that because of the way Falcons offense is structured and what a lot of teams saw in the spring, whoever plays quarterback is not going to matter to their success. And I shouldn't say not matter, but they won't be like a huge impact player. They won't be as big of an impact player as, you know, Braden Dorman is with uh, Vista Ridge or what Luke McAllister was with Palmer Ridge. You know, you could kind of almost throw anybody in there that could run and then, you know, run that offense. And, And here's what I'm saying here. You know, here's what I'm saying. So where I'm coming from, I'm going to go ahead and assume that the coaching staff allows their quarterbacks to make more plays. From what I saw last year, I saw a severe lack of plays for the quarterback. And don't get it twisted when Darius is going, you know, feed the guy, give him 30 carries a game, 40 carries a game for all I care, right? But you need the quarterback to to put out some production or something for your team to be multi-dimensional. Because if you're one-dimensional, then hey, guess who, who we got to stop? It's Darius McFarland. Easiest, I mean, easiest question in the book, right? And you don't want it to be that easy for opposing teams. Another thing to throw out there for people who aren't familiar with Falcon's situation here, both guys aren't bad quarterbacks. I look at Carter Thorpe, I look at Cam Robinette, I see two guys who could probably start for the majority of of teams in the side 25 league. I look at Liberty. I look at Palmer. I look at Thornton. I look at Widefield. You know, um, potentially even Cheyenne Mountain as well. You know, they could they could start for them, or at least I think they could start for them. And so, with that being said, you gotta give your quarterbacks a chance to make a play, not just one, multiple plays. In fact, because they are the quarterback, whether they're running it or throwing it. And now both of them can run and throw it. I would say Cam definitely has. Well, maybe not definitely, but he has the edge passing-wise and whatnot. Carter is a little bit tougher of a runner, not as explosive or as elusive, but he's a tough runner, runs like a running back, which is a good thing. With that being said, there is a reason why I'm talking about both of these quarterbacks and not just Cam. This may be late intel and whatnot, but I think it's worth bringing up. There are definitely some rumors going around that Carter might be stealing some snaps from Cam. That was last year. You know, Carter was a freshman back then. And so back then, I think it would be easier to look at him and be like, all right, no, you know, we're going to run with our junior quarterback and our freshman will play freshman snaps and let them let him develop, right? There's no problem with that either. His time will come. He'll have his two years, three years, whatever. But going into this year, I think, you know, especially with that spring season, being kind of, you know, it, it, it was pretty recent and whatnot. You saw what you had with Cam. And personally, I don't think he played bad. I followed his season last year. I think the coaches could have opened up way more plays for him and opened up the playbook and allow him 
to help you out, coaching staff, and make plays and whatnot, which they didn't. And I don't blame them because it was their first year, you know. I mean, obviously, they were hired back in the spring of last year, and then they played football this last spring. And so they had a year to get ready. But, you know, it was still their first year. And so I, I'm not surprised that they had a little bit more of, a, of an abbreviated playbook, to say the least. But this year, I fully expect them to open up the playbook give Cam more opportunities to make plays. And just the way I see it right now, I think Cam Robinette deserves to be QB1. He's been varsity's, you know, he's been the starter for like the last three years, two years, whatever, going into his third year. I mean, not that seniority is everything, but I think he is as good an athlete and he has done as good a thing as you want uh, from your quarterback and you know what from what I hear he's a great leader he's somebody that could galvanize a locker room and you know what that's important especially if that leader is a senior and you know that's their last year players love that players will play for the senior on their team that they know might not get another chance to play football ever again and any chance that they do have at playing at the next level depends on how well they play this season, how well the team does this season, and all that. And so if I'm a coach, I look at this and I say, hey, this is pretty easy. Cam, you're our guy. We're not going to talk about it until next year. Quarterback battles, that is. You know, and so Cam, he's the guy moving forward. I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, because you already kind of opened up that conversation with, oh, is Carter going to get snaps uh, as a freshman and whatnot? And, you know, I'll give it to Carter. You know, he, him and his squad, that Falcon Middle School squad, shout out the Firebirds, by the way, um, they went undefeated in middle school. Didn't lose a game. At least I don't believe they lost the game. And so, sure, there's hype there. But middle school is different from high school. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100 there, you know. Cam is a proven starter. So I say you go with him. And you know what? If the coaching staff finds themselves in a situation, and I don't know how they would find themselves in a situation unless they accept that situation and walk into it themselves, but say they're in the situation where they believe that, you know, Cam and Carter, uh, their best bet to win the season is to split snaps and start whoever they feel like is best against the matchup that week. I don't think that's a winning formula. If I'm being completely honest here, I have predicted records right here. Once again, I'll talk about them kind of near the end of the episode, but these records very much depend on what they do at quarterback and who's at quarterback. Now, don't get it twisted. I would not mind Carter Thorpe starting. Just because Carter starts doesn't mean the season's over and, you know, they're going to lose more games than they win and they're not making the playoffs and all that. No, I think Carter could do a lot of the same things that Cam does, just, you know, a little bit different. His play style isn't exactly the same. And it's not a bad thing, you know, getting your uh, young quarterback out there and getting him ready for the next two years as an, as an upperclassman. But I would really like to see Cam get, get his, uh, you know, get his respect here and start. And be that dude. Which I believe he can be. And honestly, regardless of who plays quarterback and who starts and whatnot, this is just my honest opinion. When all is said and done for this Falcon team at the end of the season, I'm kind of looking at stat at stats right here and I'm looking at a benchmark. I would say that whoever plays at quarterback will need to have 1,500 combined offensive yards at the least. 
This could be like 800 passing yards, 700 rushing yards, or 1,000 passing yards, 500 rushing yards, whatever. I, I don't care. You do the math. Either way, get 1,500 offensive yards, and they have to score a total of 20 touchdowns, passing or rushing. If the quarterback can do that for Falcon, I believe this team is a playoff team. Now, if they can't, I wouldn't blame it on the quarterbacks. I would think it's the coaching staff playing, playing it a little bit too safe here. Because honestly, at this point, I mean, when you have a quarterback, you got to let him go. You got to unleash him. If you don't, at least don't give him the chance to make a play. Your ceiling is capped. And it's going to show uh, in your record. And so when I get to the predicted records part, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So there you go. I think those two quarterbacks will be really key to this Falcon success. But I'm going to shout out a couple other guys. You know, you got Noah Forsyth. Taught his little brother. By the way, I taught at Falcon Middle School. I'm just going to go ahead and get that out of the way. Because I know people were all hurt when I said I was involved with Eden and TCA. Like, I could control that. But whatever. So, there you go. Um, but anyways, Forsyth. I've heard some good things about him um, as a player. That is Noah Forsyth. That is. And so, I think he's somebody to definitely look out for. He could step up and whatnot. I believe he plays corner and receiver. Could be wrong, though. We'll have to check that out uh, later. But uh, the, he's definitely an athlete, though. Then you have Uriah Mestis. He was, or Mestis. Jeez, I could never get that last name right, which sucks. But, <laughs> but he was with Carter on that undefeated team. Running back, I think, Loki, he's somebody you could split carries with Darius. And, you know, be kind of a problem like I said he was part of that dominant Falcon uh, middle school team and I think he's somebody who could step up as a sophomore and you know kind of help um you know fill in that void that you have with Nolan and Landon leaving uh at running back you know so that Darius doesn't have to do everything so there you go and then obviously shout out to all my former students the Puff Paths Blake Dom Elijah you know, they're freshmen. A lot of most of my students going to uh, Falcon High School will be freshmen. But, you know, you never know who will jump in and get some snaps here or there. So, uh, Blake, Dom, and Elijah, shout out to them. They're fantastic athletes. Um, I, I was looking at the roster. I saw Cy Swan is out there. Man's a big guy. 6'6", 220. Now, I don't think he's a lineman. I think you should probably work him out at tight end. That's just me. But, fine. If you want to play him at line, that I guess that works. Uh, looking at this uh, roster as well, I see George Lane. Kind of thought he was moving away. But if he is on this Falcon roster, they are getting an absolute unit. Loki could be key. Absolutely key to the success of this Falcon team. Because, um, you know, if you're going to run the ball, you need big linemen and good linemen at that. And so if George is over there, that could be big time. I don't think so. So I guess you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and then, you know, Joel, Tyler bunch more i can i could go on and on i'm not gonna do that though because i got like a million other teams i gotta talk about but all my guys that are over at fms know i'm thinking about y'all i'm definitely gonna come out to a game and support y'all uh something switched up actually so there you go but either way i think this falcon team is probably one of the stronger teams in the i-25 league at least this year i think they have a lot of talent uh now when they graduate there's probably going to be a learning curve next year and whatnot, but we'll talk about that when we get there next year. Either way, I'm really interested to see what they do at quarterback. 
uh, and how how they roll out their quarterbacks and what plays they give them, you know, because you got to open it up eventually. You got to open it up. And it's not just us saying it, by the way. You know, we've talked to other coaches around the state, and they're like, oh, Falcons playbook? <laughs> yeah, like that's that's what it is. I mean, play calling's pretty easy. Um, at least last spring, it came off as really, like, basic, like, yeah. So uh, I'm going to keep it there. I don't want to... I don't want to slander anybody, but I'm just saying for them to succeed, they got to open it up. No questions asked. So, yeah. But uh, coming up next, though, we're going to talk about another team in the I-25 League, uh, Liberty High School. All right, let's get it. Let's talk about Liberty. So, fun fact, Liberty was the last team that I was with um, football-wise. That is, didn't get to play a game with them. Was with them most of the preseason before family stuff took over. That was back in 2016, and ironically, since 2017, since my buddy was over there, they have not had a winning season since, and so, it's uh, 2021, it's, um, it's getting, it's kind of getting, getting kind of far, not even gonna lie, actually, I don't think they've actually had a winning season since 2016, since I was around with them, because um, I don't think 2017 went how they planned, so, there you go, even longer. Now, last year was no different, obviously. Let me go ahead and recap recap that real quick. So, last year, they went 2-4. and four. <sighs> Yeah, uh, let's talk about it. Briefly, briefly, that is. So, lost their opener to Air Academy, 50-20. to 20. Ooh, Lost to Cheyenne Mountain, 32-6. Got a dub over Widefield, 17-7. And then went ahead and lost to Battle Mountain, 41-0. And then lost to Doherty, 42-0. Oh, and my, my apologies. They actually beat Thornton 29-27. So that's where your um, second win was for Liberty. And so, yeah, kind of a tough season. And I'm, I'm not even going to lie, man. Liberty has struggled for like, uh, like 10 years. Basically, they've struggled to put out winning teams. And, you know, the year I was there, they went 5-5. Five and five. You know, that's kind of been their best record like the last 10, almost 15 years. If you really want to go into their history here. I mean, you know, a couple 9-2. Well, one 9-2 record. Another 5-5 five and five record. But yeah, since 2004, this is definitely a team... Ooh, that has struggled. And so, actually, going into the I-25 League, I think will help out this team. Because I'm not even going to lie. I don't think they are putting out their best athletes. Partially because I don't know what the participation rate looks like at Liberty. I don't know if they're best athletes. I'm talking about their basketball players. And I know their basketball program is, you know, pretty successful. Track players, or sorry, track athletes, I guess that's how they want to be called. Soccer players, all of them cats. I don't know if all of them are coming out for football. And so, honestly, I think entering this league will kind of help their success moving forward. It'll build some hype. All you got to do is win some games, you know. And then you could kind of market that to your athletes here. And so, I mean, well, let me go ahead and talk about some of the players they lost before I get too deep into their history and culture and all that. So, losing their lead running back, Bryson Williams, he had four. 551 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and so he was the leading uh, running back in uh, rushing yards and rushing touchdowns for that team. Was also third in tackles, and he co-led in interceptions. So 
great athlete that you're losing there. You're losing wide receiver Austin Trujillo. He had 275 receiving yards. One receiving touchdown was second in tackles. He's the other guy that led in picks with Bryson. And then on top of that, you're losing six of your top 10 tacklers all to graduation. Ooh, man, that's a lot of players to be losing and to not be able to have as much success with those group with those players kind of says a lot i don't know how good this next group will be but in my opinion if they were that good they would have started last year at least that's my mindset with that and so they are losing a lot of players but they are returning these two players that i feel like are going to be key to any success they find this season first off it's their quarterback Aiden Swanson, he is a senior this year. He started a little bit last year. I think there was a little bit of a quarterback battle last year, um, but Aiden took over, and he is listed as the captain for this Liberty Lancers team, and so I, I would assume he wouldn't be the starting quarterback if, uh, well, he wouldn't be the captain if he wasn't the starting quarterback. So there you go. I think he's going to take a step forward now. The thing about Liberty is that they don't have the greatest offensive line or really weapons and so he's gonna have to create he's gonna have to improvise when the play breaks down you gotta do what you gotta do i was looking through some of his film and some of his best plays is when he was uh you know improvising running around or scrambling or you know looking downfield getting the defense out of position and then throwing to the open guy um playing backyard football and i think if you want this liberty team to bounce back and win some games and compete in some games you gotta do that you know now against some teams you know, playing backyard football is not going to work, but there are definitely teams in the side 25 league that it will work against. And so I'm interested in seeing how he approaches this next season, how the team approaches this next season. It could be an interesting one real quick. So we'll just have to see about that. Another impact player, probably the best athlete on this team and Loki in the in the entire I-25 league is Luis Alamo, uh, plays receiver and cornerback. Now, he's a playmaker. He's somebody that will probably be on the other end of a lot of those passes. But as a cornerback, I think he's really solid. He could definitely challenge some of the better receivers in this league. But between those two, those are the two main guys I really think like a lot of their success is going to come around. Now, if either of them are hurt or not playing as well, that hurts Liberty's success, in my opinion. And I know that's a lot of pressure, but until somebody else steps up, um, and I just haven't been able to see that because they've graduated so many players. So last year, a lot of those players didn't even get to uh, play or get meaningful minutes. I think those are the two main guys for now. And so we'll, we'll talk about the record at the end here. So kind of a shorter segment here. Not really a whole ton to talk about about Liberty, but... You know, coming up next, we're going to talk about Palmer High School. Yeah, we're going to talk about Palmer High School coming up right here next. All right, so like Liberty, Palmer High School struggled kind of a lot um, last season. In general, they've kind of struggled a lot. If I'm going to be completely honest, their football history probably looks really similar to Liberty's football history. And so this league should help them out. You know, I feel like 
this league is for teams to kind of play other teams that are on the same kind of level as them. And so, you know, you're going to get some com competitive games naturally. And, you know, that helps kind of recruiting more players, not like recruiting from other schools, but, you know, from within your school to come play for the football team. And, you know, you're building some natural rivalries here with some teams that are, you know, not too far away from you. You know, they're just uh, either they're in the same city or pretty close to it. Obviously, pretty close to the I-25 highway as well. And so, you know, definitely some good things that this league is doing. But... Let me talk about Palmer. Last year went two and three, uh, so not the worst actually. They did lose to Vista Ridge, sixty-six to twelve. You know, you just gotta keep in mind, Braden Dorman, the number one quarterback in Colorado, number nine quarterback in the country. That was like his first game, and so, you know, that's that's kind of a tough go for anybody. It would have been a tough go. Then they went ahead and beat Coronado actually, twenty-six to twenty-four. Only to turn around and play Cheyenne Mountain, lose 44 to zero. Uh, but then the next week they come back and beat Widefield 21 to six, and then once again they played Cheyenne Mountain for some reason and lost 37 to 19. Now here's the thing about Palmer High School. I think a lot of people, especially in the springs, because let's just be real there's a lot of casual football fans in the springs but don't worry about it it's my job to help you not be a casual anymore and kind of get you up to speed here but i think there's a lot of people that believe that palmer doesn't have the most talent you know they lose talent to doherty they lose talent to mitchell they lose talent to coronado you know and sure some of that is true but it's not like that they don't have any talent at all i did i did breakdowns on two of their most talented players uh, maybe even ever, in quarterback Carlos Marino and running back Javion Kendrick. Uh, that was really early on, so you might have to dig for those, but you can find those. Uh, those are somewhere on our Spotify or wherever you listen to us, so take a look there. And so they are losing those two. Um, I kind of feel like if they had one more year, this year would be different. They could make a lot more noise, but unfortunately, that's it for them. They are losing their lead receiver, Nate Randall, and then they are losing about five of their top 10 leading tacklers, so more or less half of your defense. And so, man, it's hard to replace a Carlos Marino and a Javion Kendrick, for that matter. It just is. Uh, the best you could do is make do with what you have, but even then, I wouldn't expect that to be enough because these two guys were very exceptional football players. Now, it's not like they're losing everyone. You know, some of the impact players, let me go ahead and jump into that. Uh, they have a lot of experience. So the seniors this year, I'm going to talk about them first. First off, uh, Joe Naple, all-conference linebacker last year. Uh, this year, he's entering his fourth year. He will be a four-year varsity starter. Now, you can't take that for granted. That experience is going to come in handy and whatnot. I think he'll be the leader of that team. And, you know, if this Palmer team does win any games this season, it's going to be behind their defense. And so I feel comfortable having Joe Napo out there. He's a solid little player. And I think he'll do his thing over there with Palmer High School. And then returning, I, I got to talk to him briefly, briefly over DMs. But you have Nehemiah Gray, uh, center defensive tackle. He will be making a return to football, actually, this year. At least that's what I heard last time. And so, 
um, at 6'1", 275, or sorry, 6'1", 270 pounds. He is a beast. He will anchor this offensive line that is in dire need of a, just a physical force on the squad. And then on defense, you know, he'll anchor that line as well. I'm going to be completely real. I don't know how many games he'll play with this team. Um, I know he did have some things going on, but I'm just going to go ahead and hope that it's all resolved and he gets to play the full season. If he does, he could definitely be an all-league type of guy, potentially an all-state type of guy. I could see some scholarships coming his way because um, he could be probably the lone bright spot on this Palmer team. But I'm really excited to see him play. I think he's due for a lot of good things. So uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Another guy to look out for, I think he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. We'll just have to see. He'll be a junior this year. Quarterback Luke Olson uh, looked at his JV film. Looked interesting enough. You know, showed a lot of good things there. Um, at least showed the ability to be a competent quarterback. Now, I don't know if he'll be able to completely replace Carlos Marino, but I think he'll be able to do some good things here. Uh, the offense honestly depends on him, though. After they graduate basically their entire backfield, Luke Olson and whoever else will be back there will need to step it up. If any offense is going to come from this Palmer team, I feel like it'll come through him. So, we'll just have to see about that. But, you know what? We'll talk about predictive records at the end here. We're going to go ahead and move on and talk about Thornton. Alright, so Thornton High School. Uh, let me talk about last year to kind of start this thing off. Went 0-5. Got blew out by Rampart, 47-0. Lost pretty badly to Summit, 56-23. Now lost a close one to Coronado, 35-21. That score might be misleading in one way or another, but looks pretty close on paper. Now actually lost a close one to Liberty, 29-27, so a two-point loss. And then lost another close one to Niawat, 26-20. So the last two games were one-score games, basically. And so moving into this year, I kind of expect them to... You know, at least win a game. <laughs> I think I think that's the best step forward. You know, um, make make reachable goals, right? And it, we'll go one goal at a time at that. But you know, unfortunately, they are losing some players here. Uh, running back Jaheim Young, he was the lead rusher with 488 rushing yards, six touchdowns, and then they lost basically every single receiver except for their lead receiver and Miles Poole, who was an underclassman. So. <sighs> man kind of losing a lot on defense i think they are losing um they aren't losing the most so i won't really talk about that but altogether, i think this team should take another step forward i don't think they're losing that many key players and you know i think that starts with quarterback isaiah reese i'm just gonna go ahead and say it he is a senior this year i wouldn't say he's the most talented quarterback but or at least compared to the film i saw last year but consistency is everything with programs that need to rebuild going to this next year i think he can provide that for thornton which is what you want you know you want that consistency and so you know you you'll you'll make do with isaiah reese i'm gonna expect him to take another step forward um you know he's one of the few quarterbacks coming back that actually already has his spot so there you go and then you have a star here in junior wide receiver isaac gomez he is an explosive playmaker with a lot of speed on him an actual threat to take it to the house pretty much every time and whatnot. Um, one of the lone bright spots, actually, for the Slaughter team. And he was also an all-conference first team and an all-state honorable mention. And so, low-key, I could see a lot of games where he kind of just takes over, 
you know, he takes over the game because he is their best athlete and he could be a lot of what their offense produces. And in this league, that might be enough. So we'll just have to see about that. But he's an excellent wide receiver, athlete, playmaker for this Thornton team. And then on top of that, you have another junior in defensive tackle, offensive lineman, Alfredo Castillo. Uh, six foot, 273 pounds, so one of the bigger guys uh, in this division, or sorry, in this conference. After getting the start last year, I think he's looking to turn up as a junior, and so, you know, he will be a second-year varsity starter as a junior. Love to see that there. Uh, definitely some things to like here. Looking from his film from last year, was a little bit more raw, kind of just threw around his weight. I think this year he's going to develop, hopefully, a little bit more here and can actually be a bit more of a force for this Thornton team but this is a squad that could definitely I would say that they could definitely steal some games I think a lot of teams will look at the record from last year and be like oh they didn't win a game so they won't win a game this year uh they'll win a couple games this year I would say between Gomez Reese Castillo you have a lot of people coming back I think this is a squad that could definitely surprise moving forward and be a very pleasant surprise at that a lot of these players that I just listed off, obviously, except for the quarterback, Reese, um, are only juniors. So you'll see them again next year as well. And so, uh, so yeah. So, But we'll, we'll talk about that next year whenever we get to that. But you know what? Let's go ahead and move on to the last team we're going to talk about here before we get into predicted records and all that. And we're going to talk about Widefield High School. Okay, let's talk about Widefield here. So last year... Unfortunately, went 0-4, but I don't think this record really reflects the kind of team they are. So, lost 17-7 to Liberty. Pretty close game, if you ask me. 21-6 uh, to Palmer. That's a two-score game. Lost in overtime to Cheyenne Mountain, 13-12. And then lost to Coronado, 26-19. So, as you could see, a lot of pretty close games here. You know, you have a couple games that were two-score games. Most, uh, well, two of them were one-score games. And so you really can't be mad at that. I look at 17-7 to and 21-6 to losses, and I'm like, yeah, give me two big plays, and those are different games, right? And so that's kind of what I'm looking at when I look at wide field here. They're kind of a team that I feel like will take a step forward. You know, and they're not losing a lot of players, you know. They're losing two of their top 11 tacklers, which isn't a lot. Uh, one of those being Nick Reinhardt, tackle, defensive tackle, who led in sacks. But other than that, I think they're returning pretty much everyone for the most part. And I like that, you know, consistency is everything. And so, you know, they have a star player on their team. Really obvious, but I'm going to start with the other guys first before I get to him. So, uh, first things first, we got junior quarterback Gabriel uh, Segura, I want to say. I think Segura, I, I think that's how you say his last name. If not, you're more than welcome onto the show. But led the team in rushing touchdowns and passing passing touchdowns. Only had one passing touchdown, though, so don't get too excited yet. And, you know, I would have to say that, well, first off, I'm going to assume he's going to be the quarterback this year, you know, going into his junior year. But he needs to play better. If there's any hope for this wide field team, he needs to play better. Um, not even like spectacular, just he needs to be good enough. You know, he has too good of a weapon in this wide receiver slash athlete I'm about to talk about here in DJ Allen for him to not play well. And so all I'm asking is that he scores more um, than the turnovers he has. You know, if he does that, he'll be good. Because they did play in a lot of close games last year. And you know what? When you have costly turnovers and you lose the games you do like that, 
I think you could see kind of where the blame is low-key getting pointed at here. And so just don't commit those turnovers and then these games are probably a lot closer, right? And so this year, I think he needs to be better uh, or they won't win again. You know, simple as that. Or they won't win as much as they should is what I should say. So there you go. Next guy who I think will be an impact player, um, he's a senior this time. So uh, class of 22, receiver, quarterback, Josh Deal. Uh, I like him as a corner. You know, he made some solid plays. He's a solid defensive player and whatnot. I think he's one of their better ones. Um, but he needs to be just as good an offensive player, I would say. Not great, but solid enough. You need to have a second guy next to DJ Allen. Take off some of that pressure. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure DJ Allen is going to get double teamed and triple teamed and all that. If you can't make plays while one guy is getting two, attracting two or three defenders... I don't know what to say to you, man, but you got to be able to do that. And so I think he just needs to be solid enough um, on offense where, you know, he could take some of that pressure off. And on defense, I expect him to make another step forward. And then we'll kind of see where his game is at right now. I think right now he's about an above average uh, defensive player, but I think he could be uh, a lot better this year and kind of a key part of that defense as well. Now, let me talk about the guy I've been hyping up. That is DJ Allen. Wide receiver, defensive end, 6'3", 208 pounds. He is a special athlete with a fantastic blend of both speed and power. He moves fast for somebody at his size and smoothly, if I might add. And in addition, he's a jump ball guy too. He could jump and he's a beast with extremely strong hands. I find it hard to believe that there'll be anybody that'll be able to completely shut him down single-handedly. And so with DJ Allen, I honestly think he's a potential D1 guy, you know, and also throwing this out there, he was an All-State Honorable Mention. And look, just with all the talent that I see from this guy, his athleticism, his skill, all that great stuff, I think he could be the MVP of this league and power this wide field team on offense and defense. They got a special guy in DJ Allen. I like him a lot. I think he'll be fantastic. And, you know, he could power them to a lot of wins too, but he needs help. You know, it's not just on him. You need the entire team to play at least average, at least good enough. You know what I mean? And so we'll just have to see how that goes and whatnot. Uh, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll talk about records actually coming up right here. And so um, let me go ahead and get this thing started. Okay, so predicted records for the teams of the I-25 Football League. So I'm going to go down the line, say the records from uh, the best team to the worst team. And then we'll dive deeper into that after, uh, after I do all of that. And so... Number one, we got Cheyenne Mountain. I think they're going to win the league, and then they're going to go to the playoffs. How well they do in the playoffs, we'll just have to see. I kind of don't think they'll be a one-and-done team. Low-key, if they find a quarterback and get all that going, they could they could, they could, could make a little run, but I don't think they're quite a contender yet. Um, tune into our 4A episode if you want to hear our contenders for that. That'll come out this Friday. So there you go. Right after that, I have Thornton at 6-4. and four. I have Falcon at five and five. I have Widefield at five and five. Liberty at two and eight. And then Palmer doesn't win a game. I have them at 0 and 10. So there you go. Uh, let me go ahead and jump in though. Uh, let me talk about Cheyenne Mountain, kind of how I have things breaking down for them. So I only have them losing one game uh, by going five and low in league play. And so the one game I think they might lose. 
I think it's at the beginning of the season against Sand Creek. Uh, they got a quarterback over there in Caleb Cruz, among a lot of other players. I, I'm picking this team, I'm picking Sand Creek to win a close one because they have a quarterback that is established. He's there. He played really well in the spring, actually. Cheyenne Mountain, I don't know if they have an established quarterback or even if that quarterback will outplay, outplay Caleb Cruz. And so I think that's one that they drop. Uh, it'll be a close one, though. Don't get that twisted. Then I have them easily beating Mitchell Sierra Pueblo East. Um, I'm just going to be real. I don't think I really have to talk about that. So you have a three-game win streak, potentially four-game win streak, uh, if they, you know, get that close win against Sand Creek. And then they play Air Academy right after that. They're going to have a challenge against Sam Beers and company. That Air Academy is kind of a tricky team. I think that is probably a trap game, even though I believe Cheyenne Mountain is a lot more talented than them. But I'm going to go ahead and say that Cheyenne Mountain beats them. And so they're 4-1 in league play. And then here's kind of how I have the rest of the league uh, play as far as Cheyenne Mountain goes breaking down. Have them beating Thornton. I mean, they're just way bigger, have more skill players. Uh, we'll talk about Thornton's end uh, when we get there, but I think that should be an easy dub. Should beat Liberty. I'd be really surprised if Liberty even gets close to being Cheyenne Mountain. I think their line is just that much more bigger, plus they have like five or six dudes. Um, they could throw in there five or six more dudes than Liberty, and so uh, that's going to be a problem for sure. I just don't think this next game that they play against Palmer will be even close. Um, they have a lot. Palmer has a lot that they're going to work on. There might be some players that will shine individually. I'm looking at Nehemiah Gray and whatnot, but this should be an easy dub. Now, the October 22nd game versus Falcon is probably the most important game, not only on their schedule, but on the I-25 League schedule. That'll probably be the biggest one. Loki, a game that I might um, go ahead and go to. I could see it going both ways, to be honest with you. But if I, but if Falcon doesn't find a way to use Cam Robinette or Carter Thorpe, whoever they have at quarterback, correctly, and he can't get his scores and touches in, I think that Cheyenne Mountain easily wins. But that could be a toss-up game. That could be kind of an important game. So we'll keep that there. And then honestly, last game of the season against Whitefield, I think they'll have some problems. Cheyenne Mountain will especially have some problems if they lose the Falcon. But they still get the dub and they punch their way into the playoffs. That's kind of how I have it breaking down 9-1, 5-0 in league play. Okay, let's talk about Falcon and their predicted record. I have them going 5-5, 3-2 in league play. This is kind of how I have it breaking down. Um, I believe they should have two pretty semi-easy wins against Aurora Central. They beat them down last year, uh, returning a lot of the same team. I think they do the same thing to them this year to open up the season. Then they play Vista Peak. They're losing Braylon Nelson and our boy Jadaris Carr. I, this is a winnable game. I think they beat them as well to start off the season 2-0. Then they go to Brighton. Um, uh, man, this was kind of a tough one to pick. I think they lose to them. Now, this could be a closer game if they decide on a quarterback and they know how to use that quarterback. But to be honest with you, I think Bryden's entire backfield alone is utilized that much better than a Falcon's backfield. And I think Falcon might struggle to score and keep up with Bryden's offense. And so I have them losing a close one um, to Bryden. Then they play Vista Ridge. Ooh, my God. <laughs> they play Vista Ridge. Now, 
I would say this is an important game because, you know, Falcon does lose a lot of players to Vista Ridge. I think that's the number one school that they lose a lot of players to. <sighs> Unfortunately, I don't think this is a game that Falcon could possibly win right now. Um, now, it could be interesting and whatnot, depending on how they use their quarterback. Now, and, and you're going to notice that I'm going to say it depends on how Falcon's quarterback plays or... You know, what, what kind of plays they have to open up the playbook for their quarterbacks. But honestly, even if they open it up against Vista Ridge, I don't think this is a team they could uh, beat. I think this is a team that, uh, best case scenario, they hope to get close to beating. You know, I think that's, that's what you want to aim for, if not winning. And so, tune into our foray breakdown on friday we'll talk about a, we'll talk a lot about vista ridge i've uh, got to meet a good amount of their players and i feel pretty good about them and yeah so i'm not, I'm not going to spoil it i'm not going to spoil it but tune in friday for that episode if you really want to see my opinions on that and my co-host cody stoffer's opinions about that so there you go then they go on play mesa ridge Whew, I think they lose a close one. This might be a toss-up, low-key. I think they lose a close one. Um, they got a linebacker over there, Elijah Davis, six foot two thirty, just about, who could move. And so he's a beast over there. I think Mesa Ridge has a lot of good athletes as well. And so if they win, that's going to be big time. But I just have a hard time seeing them winning right now that could be a toss-up game along with the Brighton game and so uh non-league play you end up two and three now if you win those toss-up games i'm talking about Brighton, uh, mesa ridge i mean you flip that you're four and one right and that's kind of big but unfortunately they are playing some tougher teams here so two and three i think i'm going to go with my gut there so there you go first league game though play liberty should beat him they shouldn't have any trouble with them they're more physical than them so there you go. Um, then they play Palmer. Same thing. And then they play Widefield. And that's where it could be interesting. Because I'm just going to be real. I don't think Falcons really played a dude like DJ Allen. Low key. I think I'm going to run with this. I feel like DJ Allen is going to go crazy in that game. And wins it for Widefield in a close one. Um, we'll see. That might, be a, that might be a risky prediction there. But I'm going to go with my gut there. Then they play Cheyenne Mountain, kind of talked about that. I think for them to win, they need to use Cam Robinette or Carter or whoever. I think they need to use them right. They need to get touches, you know. In that game, they have to have at least 200 offensive yards, and I'd say two or so touchdowns. And then, you know, Darius McFarlane can score three, and then that's how you win, right? Um, oh, and no turnovers. And I'm saying you have to get that from the quarterback position, not Darius. Darius, you already know, is probably going to go, like, I don't know, 120 yards, three touchdowns, or something crazy like that. Um, well, probably like 150, 160 yards, something crazy like that. But they need a little bit more offensive firepower to beat Cheyenne Mountain. That's the only way. Maybe they figure it out that late in the season, so we'll see about that. Um, but that's a big one. I already talked about that. And then I think they beat Thornton pretty easily. I think uh, they're just a little bit more built. Um, they have players that know what role they got to play and whatnot. I think that should be a pretty easy win. So, altogether, 5-5. Five and five. <sighs> A lot of those losses are coming from non-league play, I'll admit. You know, league play, they're 3-2, and two, so that's not bad. Um, low-key, I could see them being 4-1 and one if they beat Widefield. 
but altogether, you will notice that I mentioned a lot of toss-up games. I think Falcon actually has the most toss-up games. These are winnable games, you know. It's not that I'm picking against them just to pick against them. I'm acknowledging that these will be close games, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they win a lot of these close games. But I think, personally, it just depends on how they use their quarterback. You gotta do better. You gotta open up the playbook. Can't be basic. So, there you go. But 5-5, five and five, that's where they're at. Alright, so we got Liberty right here. Uh, predicted them at 2-8. and 1-4 and four in league play. Look, I just don't think they have enough players uh, to, to stack up against some of these teams. And they are playing some pretty tough uh, out-of-conference games. So, I have them losing to Air Academy. Air Academy is returning a lot of the same guys, including Sam Beers, who, you know, put a beating on Liberty and whatnot. I think Beers is going to be a problem for them once again, and so they lose that one. There's no way that they ever beat Fountain Fort Carson, because that's their second game. I think they lose pretty badly there, um, and they're a good squad. We'll talk about them on Friday. I think, I'm just going to say this, I think they get an upset win over Rampart, and they are returning uh, Candelaria, their running back, I want to say. But they're losing almost their entire defense to graduation. Don't get it twisted, though. It won't be a blowout or anything. This will be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one or two point close game. But I'm, I'm giving them this dub against Rampart. Then I think they lose to Coronado. They have two big tackles that I don't think Liberty has the firepower to get through. And so to kind of end it, they are 1-4 in, in non-league play. Then play Falcon. Kind of already talked about that. Ah, <sighs> uh, this is, uh, Falcon will be a tough game, you know, I, they don't run the most complicated offenses or defenses, but you kind of just gotta survive through it, and so, if Liberty does not find second and third wins throughout the game, this game could get out of hand pretty quickly here. Uh, same kind of goes for Cheyenne Mountain, honestly, the only way that I see them beating Cheyenne Mountain is if, uh, Cheyenne plays down to them and lets them hang around, I don't think that'll happen, but... You never know. And so, I think Cheyenne still gets the dub, though. And Liberty loses. Uh, versus Thornton. Should be an interesting game. I think this is probably the best matched game uh, for Liberty. You know, this is the team that they match up with best with Thornton. And so, you know, it could probably go either way. But I'm going to have Thornton taking it in a pretty close one. Against Widefield, I think they just straight up lose to DJ Allen. <laughs> uh, I think the battle between Luis Alamo and DJ Allen will be the most important. But I kind of have DJ Allen winning that matchup. And so, I think Widefield actually takes that dub against Liberty. Um, but nonetheless, I think Liberty should still beat Palmer, though. They're not the worst team in the league, uh, unfortunately. So, 2-8 and eight for Liberty, 1-4 and four in league play. Now, speaking of Palmer... Look, I don't want to get too brutal here, so I'm just going to keep it real. 0-10. Uh, the one game I feel like that they might win is against Mitchell. Kind of depending on whether they get their offense going. But Mountain Rage, Air Academy, Sand Creek, Frederick. No, they're losing. I, I kind of just feel like they're going to lose all of those. And then honestly, looking at some of these other teams in the I-25 League, I just don't see them having enough firepower uh, this year. I think, hey, this year... Ain't no shame in losing. Let's see what we got. You know, you got skill players, you got linemen, defense players, quarterbacks. Show me. Show me. Then we'll go from there. You know, but I, I just don't think this year is their year. So, there you go. Uh, let me move on, though. Thornton. 
I have them predicted at six and four. Actually, two and three in league play, which is the interesting thing because I feel like a lot of their dubs are gonna come from their non-league play. They kind of have the easiest non-league schedule. So uh, right now, I have them beating North Glen. Um, I, yeah, they should beat North Glen is what I should say. So there you go. Uh, I have them barely beating Gateway. This one could go either way. I kind of feel. I know they got Coach Collins over there. But I just don't buy it. I think Gateway is losing too many players to bounce back this fast. Second week of the season, at least for Thornton. So I think they take advantage of that and they and they beat him. Uh, they should beat Littleton. And then their win streak kind of stops here. And they lose to Centaurus. I just think Centaurus is that much better of a team than them. Um, Centaurus gets a good dub though. They'll, the Thornton will put up a fight. So yeah. And then uh, finally, I think they beat Mountain Range. It's going to be a close one, but... Uh, I think they just barely, just barely squeeze through. And so they go 4-1 and one in non-league play. Now, this is kind of where it gets tough. They're going to lose to Shine Mountain. That's the first team they play They, they play in league play. Um, it's probably going to look closer on paper. Just going to be real. But I don't think they have the required defensive players to cover Cheyenne skill players. Uh, or the linemen to hold up to their line. And so... Honestly, I think the only way for them to win is if Cheyenne Mountain makes mistakes early on and then they capitalize on every single mistake. They can't afford to not to. And so I would say it's fourth down territory until the third quarter for Thornton. You know, you got to you got to go all in. I think you got to be a little bit risky with it, but I think that's the way you got to go when playing a team that much better. So we'll see. Uh, second game, though, of league play, they play wide field. And this should be an exciting one because you got the battle between uh, Isaiah Gomez or sorry, Isaac Gomez and DJ Allen, both fantastic wide receivers, both, you know, all league type of guys. And so this will be a fun one. I think this one, this one will be pretty exciting. It's uh, more evenly matched than people think. And so um, there you go. It should be a good one. <sighs> but I think I have Widefield taking it over Thornton and it's going to be a close game you know it's going to be a close one but if you got to ask me who would you rather have DJ Allen or Isaac Gomez I think I would take DJ Allen because he's 6'3 210 you know Gomez is not 6'3 210 to say the least and that's not a bad thing either he plays a different game so there you go but honestly that game really could go either way so we'll just see uh they beat Liberty could be close by Figure with Reese and Gomez, you figure it out, and now you're rolling. Especially after a uh, after a wide field game that I feel like might be kind of close. I think I think you get it rolling by then. And then play Palmer, they should beat him. And then finally, I think they play Falcon the last game of the year. They lose a tough one to Falcon, but doesn't mean that's a game they can't win. I think they need to play tough defense. They need to be tough and disciplined on defense. Can't get out of position. You got to take what you got there. And so um, you really just can't let Darius get any space to run. You got to gotta limit him. And so I definitely see a universe where they win. Um, but they need to play a very tight defensive game. Like they can't have any mistakes. And then once again, that Reese to Gomez uh, connection needs to get going. They need to score at least two touchdowns. And then somebody else uh, on offense could score that third. And I think that's enough to get a dub. But... I kind of just have a hard time seeing that, and so I'm going to go ahead and say Falcon wins uh, that one. But Thornton goes 6-4, and four, has one more game over Falcon, 
Uh, two and three in league play, though, but I think they play better against some of these out-of-league uh, teams. So, it's not bad. You know, not bad. But lastly, let's talk about Widefield. Have them predicted going five and five, improving from their uh, zero and four season from last year. So, unfortunately, though, they played Fountain Fort Carson to open up here. I, I don't think any of these teams, except for maybe Cheyenne, could keep up with Fountain Fort Carson. Maybe. But even then, I would probably have Fountain Fort Carson over them. And so, I think uh, they just don't win that game. I think they lose to Air Academy, but if DJ Allen has a monster game, it could be a closer game. And then anything could happen once it's a closer game. So, uh, there you go. But still, losing those first two. And then... <sighs> then they play Canyon City. It won't be easy. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think I see them scraping out, scrapping out a dub versus Canyon City, who is losing the majority of their defensive starters, um, really just the majority of their players, to graduation. And so a game this early on, like week three, week four, I would say favors Widefield. If it was later in the season, I don't think that's a game they win. But I think they barely get the dub here. Uh, and then they, I have them losing to Mesa Ridge, have them losing to Golden. Um, Golden, I would say, is bigger on paper. Um, but if other players on this Whitefield team outside of Allen and the guys I talked about don't step up, uh, this this is a danger. I think they lose it. So, so there you go. Um, but if they do step up, it could be a close one and then anything could happen. But have them 1-4 in non-league, not the worst. Have a couple toss-up games here and there, but we'll just have to see. So, yeah. Um, but in league play, they play Palmer. I think they beat him easily. I think against Thornton, kind of talked about already, but I think they get an exhilarating, like a momentum-shifting type of dub win versus Thornton. And so I think that one should be close. But at the end of the day, uh, I think DJ Allen in that game proves why he's the best player in this league. So, there you go. Uh, riding that momentum, I actually have them going into Falcon and uh, shocking them, getting a huge dub over this team who's much better on paper. And so, really, the matchup to watch is DJ Allen versus Darius McFarlane. Whichever of these players scores more will win the game for their team. We'll leave that one there. That's a, that's a fun one. But I think um, if they get that exhilarating win over Thornton, then they're rolling. They beat Falcon. Uh, that's even more momentum. Um, you know, with all that momentum, they go into Liberty. I know that Luis Alamo versus DJ Allen matchup will be good, but I think with that momentum, I just have an extremely difficult time seeing Liberty even able to compete at this point. And so I think they beat him, but it could also be a trap game. Just throwing that out there, but I think they beat him moving forward. Sadly enough, though, I think their uh, all-league winning streak comes to an end against Cheyenne Mountain at the end here. Uh, where they lose to him, I don't. I just don't think they have enough juice to beat him. Even if everyone takes a step forward and uh, steps up, I just don't think they can. And then, unfortunately, that's where their season ends. Not bad though. Five and five, four and one in league play as well. That's kind of where I see all the chips uh, falling. So once again, here's kind of the rankings I got here. I have Sean Mountain number one going to the playoffs, representing the I-25 league in its first official year uh, because Falcon they played in the spring, so it didn't count. But in their first official year, Sean Mountain goes to the playoffs, represents I-25. You got Thornton right behind at 6-4. and four. 
Right behind Thornton, you have two teams tied right here at Falcon and Widefield at 5-5. Five and five. Then, unfortunately, you have Liberty at 2-8, and eight, and then Palmer at 0-10. So, yeah, that's how I see it going down, honestly. I think Cheyenne Mountain is the obvious favorite. Even if they don't go 9-1, I think they still come out with that dub representing the I-25 League in the playoffs. Thornton, Falcon, Widefield are all teams that I feel like are kind of in the same well, okay, I wouldn't say they're in the same group. I'd say Falcon is definitely the second most talented team, but they play a tougher schedule. And so because of that canceling out and whatnot, I think they're kind of in the same group right here. A lot of toss-up games between the, these three teams, but I think that's just how it uh, evens out. And then Liberty and Palmer, I would say, are obviously the two worst teams right now. They could get better and there could be players that step up but right now i think they're the two worst teams and you know this will be more of a rebuilding year you know like let's learn let's keep moving forward and let's uh, improve and so um there you go but yeah that's the preview on the i-25 league of breakdown and you know if you want to request other teams because we will be breaking down some of the rosters and some other leagues and conferences uh let us know dm us and we'll get to them whenever we can but uh Go ahead and follow us on all of our social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at The Playmakers Corner. Well, maybe not The Playmakers Corner, but at Playmakers Corner. And obviously, if you're listening to us, uh, it's probably on some streaming platform. So, you know, go ahead. Give us a good rating. Give us a good review as well. We really appreciate those. Uh, appreciate all the support we've been getting these last couple weeks as well. And so uh, make sure to check out Cody's episode on Wednesday. And then on Friday, we are releasing our 4A breakdown. Um, previewing the 4A level, there are a lot of great teams. So it was pretty hard to get through, but um, it should be some good content there. And then, you know, the season starts actually this Friday, August 27th. So best of luck to all the teams out there. Uh, for my squad, you know, we will actually be in Boulder watching the Fairview versus Boulder game. Beckham Kritz getting his first varsity start as the freshman quarterback over there, one of our boys. And so we're, we're going to be supporting him. So make sure you check out... Um, Check out my game if you can and whatnot. That should be a good one. But just in general, you know, check out a Colorado football game. Season starts on the 27th for most teams. So best of luck to all of them. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you later. Peace.